1, St. Mark chapter 1. St. Mark 1. And uh, I, have a, um, I have a quick video I want to show you guys. It's 3 minutes and 35 seconds exactly. I trimmed it down uh, so that you could see this illustration uh, in the Gospel of Mark. And, Pay, hey, if you're able to uh, run that for me, Jesus and the leper, Everybody pay attention because it gets right to the point really quick. There's no lead into it. Uh, let me just make sure the volume is up loud. Definitely your 
So, so you can see the uh, you can see the entire episode on Chosen. I think that's season. I think that's season two. Uh, actually, seasons one, two, and three are out there. So you can use them. You can use them all. You can just check them all out. They're really, really good. Um, let me just let me just say this before we get started, uh, or before I read Mark chapter one. Let me just give you. I wrote down some quick facts. These are just some quick facts on leprosy. I covered some of them in Sunday school, so I'll be really quick. Number one, a leper. The word comes from the word lepros, which means scaly, smelly, slow-growing bacteria on the inside that it gets manifested on the outside in the form of lesions, sores, open wounds. Matter of fact, a leper was nicknamed the living dead in the first century because the disease was so dreadful. Uh, number two, there are several types of leprosy and variations. Uh, from simple as psoriasis all the way to dead flesh on the bones. Uh, number three was the most feared, contagious, communicable disease in the first century. It was essentially uh, a death sentence. Uh, number four, like then, to even today, leprosy, which is now referred to as Hansen's disease, is incurable. Treatable, but incurable. Number five, victims were thought to be cursed by God who got leprosy because there were essentially no recovery. Number six, the social stigma attached to leprosy was actually worse than the disease itself because victims were isolated, they were excommunicated, they were ostracized from society. Even husbands or wives that were married were separated. You couldn't be with your kids, your wife, no family members, nothing. You were basically put in leper camps outside of the city uh, limits. Uh, number seven, per Dr. Paul Brand, a book that I've been recommending to you guys for two weeks, in his image and fearfully and wonderfully made, says, and he worked in the leper uh, colonies and camps uh, in India for decades, he said that the uh, disease uh, numbs the extremities and the nerve endings and that most people succumb to something else as a result of having their uh, pain and immune system compromised. And the, uh, the, last, the last thing is that um, the, uh, the pain system is, in fact, eliminated. So there, there's no early warning systems. There's no way that you can protect yourself. What a horrible disease that doesn't allow you to feel anything because your senses have been neutralized. And I, I, I put it in my notes here that it's, a very, it's like a comparison of sin. Leprosy is like sin. It spreads uncontrollably. It starts on the inside and manifests on the outside. It causes a person to be spiritually unclean. Actually, it's basically a, it's more than a ceremonial uncleanliness. It's more than a physical uncleanliness. It, it, sin is a spiritual uncleanliness that happens from the inside out. Um, I, I have here Jeremiah 17, 9, which all, we're all familiar with this passage. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? Um, you don't even know how incapable or how capable we are of doing things until something happens that brings sometimes the worst out of us. And that's, that's what sin does. It, it's, it's insipid, it's, it's, it's insidious, it's inside and it's, it's raging and is looking for an outlet. And if we don't submit ourselves to God, if we don't come to righteousness, if we're not converted, then we have no hope. We have no way to win this battle over the enemy because sin is pervasive and there is no cure for it naturally. Naturally, it can't be cured. It can only be cured spiritually. Amen. 
here's what Mark says. I'm going to be very short because I know we have the Lord's table this morning. I want to make sure that we receive the Lord's table. But listen to this. This is basically a recap of the three-minute, 35-second clip. According to Mark, you can see the companion scriptures in Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 5. But here it goes. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion... Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Verse 42 of Mark chapter 1, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus sternly warned him and immediately sent him away and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priest. By the way, the purpose of showing yourself to the priest is because according to Luke Leviticus 13, you had to be inspected by the priest this was a multi-day process after being inspected and checked and examined you were at some point when the when the disease appeared to have been in full uh recession you were declared clean and you could reunite with the community and your family uh, the Bible says in verse 45, in conclusion, but he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed on the unpopul out on the unpopulated areas, and they were still coming to him from everywhere. I tell you, when uh, if you want to find Jesus, you can find him. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. Jesus said that his stated purpose for coming wasn't actually to heal. It wasn't actually to do miracles. It wasn't actually to perform the supernatural. Jesus' sole and singular purpose for coming to earth. He said this while standing in the house of Zacchaeus, the one that had climbed the sycamore tree to see him in Luke 19. He said, the only reason I came the only reason that I left the right-hand side, the throne of God in heaven and came down to earth and to take on the form of a human being, this, it, this, carnate, this carnate form, this form of flesh. He said, the only reason I came was to seek, the King James Version says, to seek and to save. To seek and to save. This is, yeah, thank you, Rick. Because I'm going to walk probably a little, but I'm almost done. To seek it to save that which was lost. Amen. That's why Jesus came. By the way, you might be wondering why you might be wondering why the Jews in the ancient, this was not just the Jews, people in the ancient uh, history period in other countries, Egypt, Assyria, Assyria, uh, other nations around Europe. Asia Minor, they felt that they felt that leprosy was a curse. They felt it was a judgment from God. But let me tell you this: in John chapter nine, you don't have to turn. I'm just going to read it to you because I'm going to be pretty brief here. And his disciples asked him, saying, "Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind?" See, the Jews felt then, and people even feel now that bad stuff happens to people because they're bad. They feel that things happen to you as a consequence of something that you did. But here's what the Bible says. Sin entered the world 
and all sickness and disease is a result of sin, right? John 10, 10 says that the thief cometh, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus concluded the verse, part B of that verse, but I have come, watch, but I have come, but Jesus came that we might have Zoe life and have it more abundantly. Exceedingly, Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly above all we ask and think. Are you guys with me? I know the kids are playing. It's okay because I'm going to be short, but I want you to stay focused because this, this is, this in this series on the life and times of Jesus Christ is a critical lesson because it's talking about cleanliness, not just ceremonial cleanliness as in being made declared clean by a priest, not just physical cleanliness by taking a bath, not just physical cleanliness by being healed or, or, or being cured of a, of a disease or disorder, but complete cleanliness from the inside out, spiritual. Are you all with me? Spiritual. If you look at James 5, when the Lord healed, I think it's 515, says that when we come to the Lord, when he heals us, when the elders lay hands and anoint us with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you recover from the illness. And it says, watch, and if he have committed sins, he, she, we won't get into pronouns, if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. God does total healing. He doesn't do just surgical healing. He doesn't just hit the spot. God does all of that and then some. Mm. Like for instance, Job said, and Job had all those boils and sores and pus and everything on his body, open wounds. Job, when he was healed by the Lord, Job 42 said, I know you can do anything. And no one can stop you, the NLT says. Listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 32, 17. Ella Beecham just wrapped up a beautiful series in the book of Jeremiah. Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. And listen to what he says at the end. You got to hear this. Nothing is too hard for you. That's the guy we serve, guys. That's who we serve. Nothing is too hard for you. Proverbs 16, 4 says, The Lord hath made all things for himself. Yea, even the wicked for the day of the evil, for the day of evil. God even made the bad people. He even made bad people. But he will deal with them, amen? He will judge them. He will address them. John 1, 3 finally says, God created everything through him. Through who? Through Jesus. And nothing was created except through him. Amen. I'll close with four things. I want four points, four walking points. We call them walking points so that we can walk them out in our lives. Four walking points that we can learn from the encounter of Jesus and the leper. And Faye, are you able to put these scriptures on the screen as I go through them? And actually, I put the notes in a file there in Easy Worship. I don't know if you can bring the notes up, but but they're on they're inside of the uh song file it's called jesus and the leper if not i have the file of the word document on the desktop that has uh the scriptures in it but here's scripture number one here's point number one everybody 
Stay with me, stay with me, please. Just a few more minutes. Point number one about biblical faith, about what occurred with this, this amazing man. And we don't know if it actually occurred the way Dallas Jenkins represented it here, but I like that. I like that because it, it, puts, it puts an image in my mind of the words that I read from Mark 1. I like that. I can visualize what may have happened, the way it may have gone down when Jesus met this guy. I can, I can envision the disciples pushing back saying, Lord, don't touch this guy. You touch this guy, you'll be ceremonially unclean yourself. You'll have to be ostracized for a minimum of seven days. You'll be considered unclean. You can't minister. We can't be around you. This thing is highly communicative. They even thought there, were, there, were, there was an old saying that the rabbis would say in the first century that they would not buy, they would not buy an egg at the market on a street that a leper had walked down. That's how superstitious, that's how absolutely bent on this thing is deadly, the anathema attached to leprosy. They said they wouldn't even touch a person, they wouldn't even touch a person that had even been through, just had what we would consider psoriasis. They had, you know, they thought any form of a skin disorder constituted a version of leprosy. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Sometimes ignorance is deadly. Because people can be ignorant about something and go to extremes. Psoriasis. You know, a rash. Any, anything that turned up like white or sore or some sort of unexpected lesion, they would consider it the beginning stages of leprosy. And you may have to be isolated for that. Okay, talking point number one, the guy, the leper came to Jesus. That took courage. So talking point, walking point number one is courage. The fact that he came, you say, Pastor Will, what are you talking about? He came because he was dying. You just said that leprosy was essentially the equivalency of a death sentence, that leprosy represented imminent death because there was no cure. Well, well, the dude broke multiple laws by even approaching them. As if a leper were to come within your space, he had to be, before he approached you, shout out and declare himself unclean, unclean. And if there was a downdraft, if the wind was blowing, you had to stand back 50 to 100 yards, according to some laws in the Talmud, to say that I'm unclean, even before you got even relatively close to another human being. If you can see in the video, and for Jesus to be able to touch him, the guy had to be at ground zero. He had to be right there, right? That's why the disciples were so resistant. Like, Lord, don't get, get back. You, you see that one of them, Simon, I think Simon the Zealot, pulled his knife, which he probably could have done. He was still, you know, in, the, in this process of being spiritually mature, going through spiritual maturity. The point is, is that this guy made the effort to come. The Bible says, that's what my Uncle Jerome used to say, my Uncle Jerome and my cousin Velma, they would always preface these statements. The Bible says, in other words, this is not my opinion. This is not somebody's idea. It's not something I read in some book. I didn't pull this down off of Wikipedia or YouTube videos. The Bible says, Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace 
to help in the time of need. There's another passage that says, casting all our cares on him, for he cares for us. KJV, for he careth for us. The point that I think the scripture is making is that we have access to Jesus. We can come to him in any condition, in any state, under any circumstances, Lisa, we can come to Jesus. James 4, 2 says, you have now because you ask now. We can't expect anything if we don't ask for anything, right? Those four lepers men over in 2 Kings, you guys should check this out when you get a chance to read it. If you're, having a, if you're having a night of insomnia and you need to do some late night reading, check out 2 Kings 14. I'm sorry, uh, 2 Kings the uh, seventh chapter, I preached this sermon before about the four lepers, men that were outside the walls, and uh, they made this amazing statement, why sit we here until we die? And they say, well, you know, we're going to die anyway. We might as well go into the camp of the Assyrians. If they kill us, we're going to die anyway. If they don't kill us, they might feed us. Either way, we got to make a move. Bust a move. You got to do something. Get up. Get up. Say, say, help me, please. You know, make some effort. Change this. Change that. Do something. Get into his presence. Don't just sit here and die, right? Let's not be passive. Let's not be negligent. Let's not throw in the towel. If we are in need, if we're struggling, if we're going through something, get into his presence. Ask him, Lord, help me. Lord, have mercy. Lord, heal me. Lord, fix me. Lord, get me out of this drought emotionally, psychologically. I'm going through this situation where I'm depressed. I'm under the gun. I'm stressed out. Lord, I need your help. Please come and help me. I give this brother much kudos for not sitting there and dying, thinking that I got to observe some rules and stay 50 feet away. Hey, I need help. Either help me or kill me, but I'm not going to stay here and die. So the walking point number two, he came to Jesus with reverence. You have to be reverent. You have to show decorum when you come into the I love how when Jesus, when the disciples asked the Lord, how should we pray over there in Matthew 6? When Jesus gave the disciples prayer, that model prayer, at verse 9, I think he says, this is how you should start your prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. Watch this next part. Watch this. Hallowed be thy name. In other words, holy is your name. Reverence is your name. I come before you reverently, respectfully, observing the fact that you are the superior and I'm inferior. I don't come to you making claims and declaring that I have the right to be here. I come to you with reverence, showing respect, showing deference, Letting you know that I worship you. Mm. Reverence. I say reverence because sometimes we just come to the house of the Lord. We, we have this attitude of, we have this attitude of apathy. We have this attitude of casualness. The late, great Charles Stanley once preached a sermon. Actually, he ended up turning it into a book on casual Christianity. Sometimes we have this attitude of casual Christianity, just lethargy, just don't care. Just, oh, well, it'll be all right, whatever. We give God this lackadaisical, 
quasi, you know, half involved, half attentive, not locked in. We give God our second best. We're tired. We stayed up too late last night, so we're tired. We're, we're sleepy. We're easily distracted. We're just not locked in. We're not focused. We give God second-rate praise. We give him second-rate worship. We don't give him the first fruits of our earnings, the first fruits of our talents, the first fruits of our energy, the first fruits of our week. We just give God just whatever second best. Oh, God bless this mess, whatever. We have no real attitude of reverence that God deserves better. You know, the minister or the, the praise leader will stand up here and say, let's give the Lord a hand clap. We'll clap like we're clapping for the dog catcher. We'll just give just lacks of days to go hard, have heartedness. Really, check yourself. Ask yourself, am I giving you my best, Lord? Do you get 100% of everything I got? Not just on Sunday mornings, but through the week. Am I always concerned about giving you my best? My best effort. My best job at work. My best attention in school. My best obedience to my parents at work and wherever I'm at. Am I always giving you my best? Am I always thinking about God is watching? God deserves better than this. Point number three. Talk, walking point number three. And I'm almost done because I only have four. Walking point number three is that the leper, not just according to the video. That's it. That's it. Beautiful page. Uh, the, the leper came to Jesus, I know it's small, but he came to Jesus with humility. He was humble. Watch this. He said, forget about what, what was said in the video. Here, here are his, here, here, here's, these are his actual words. I did a composite where I merged what was said in Mark, Matthew, and Luke, and kind of got a, a composite of, of what the, uh, the, the guy was saying to Jesus. And essentially, here's what he said. He fell on his knees. He fell down on his knees before him. And he said, Lord, if you're willing. He started, he started there with, he started there with a, a request that was also a plea. He said, if you're willing. That to me says point number three, walking point number three, humility. Let's review. Courage reverence humility we're, we're building a definition for faith we're building a working walking definition for what true faith looks like in real life this is faith personified this is not the dictionary version of faith this is not even the hebrews one version definition of faith this is walking living breathing faith it starts with courage it's, it's it then goes on to reverence it then goes on to humility, uh, humility. Paul wrote Timothy and said, this is a good, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God who desires all men to be saved. In other words, the Lord, most importantly, and I said it earlier from Luke 19, the Lord wants us to be saved because he said, he said in his word, I came to seek and save that which was lost. He came with humility. Humility assumes that I deserve nothing. Humility is not like a lot of ministries and people teach today that we should demand of the Lord. I call God into, I call God into honoring his word. I demand that God honors his word. I demand that God does this. 
I require this of the Lord. I can name it and claim it. I can just call what is not as though it were and demand of God. We can't demand of God. We can't demand of God. It, we can ask God. With, with, we can be courageous and bold. We can be reverent. We can be humble, but we can't demand of God. Um, there's, there's, just, there's just so much I could say more about that, but I won't for the, for the, in the interest of time. But I'll move to my final point, and that is he came to Jesus with confidence. Another word for faith is trust. Confidence is a synonym. He said, Lord, if you're willing, in other words, you don't have to. I understand that you're not obligated. You're not, you're not required to do anything for me. But if you're willing, it kind of reminds me of, um, I don't know the exact passage. I believe it's in 1 Samuel. Uh, yeah, I have it here. 1 Samuel 14, 6, when Jonathan was pinned behind enemy lines, he was with his armor bearer. And Jonathan said, perhaps the Lord will help us because it is no more difficult for the Lord to grant us victory by means of a few as it is by means of many. Isn't that good? Oh, man, that is next level. That's 1 Samuel 14, 6. Y'all got to put that in your notes. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it again. NASB. Here's what it says. Perhaps the Lord will help us. I, I like Jonathan's. I like his attitude. His attitude is not like, Lord, I demand you. I claim in Jesus name. I require that you come to do this right now. Move these enemies. Give us safe passage. God doesn't have to do. God doesn't listen to, listen to us. We listen to him. God has a reason for whatever he puts us to remember. And John, when the disciples came to Jesus to talk about the blind man, he said, Lord, why is this man blind? Who sinned? Him or his parents? Remember that? I think it's John 9. Jesus said, neither have sinned. This blindness is not a result of neither of their sins. This blindness is so that the work of God might be manifest. Substitute the word will for work so that God's will can be done. Sometimes God brings stuff into our life so that God can show us something, so that he can reveal something to us. It's not always a consequence of sin. It's not always a punishment, and it's not always in direct correlation to something that happened in the past. Quit trying to fit everything into a nice square box. Quit thinking that we got to have a cause and effect for everything. There are sometimes things are beyond explanation. Sometimes you can't connect it one to one ratio and get a reason for everything sometimes god just does stuff that just blows our mind and he doesn't have to answer for it he doesn't owe us an explanation let's get behind let's get rid of this idea that everything can be defined and described and everything has a reason just give it up sometimes stuff just happens and we have no clue. Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it. Say it respectfully, though. And I don't know what it's for. Be nice. Watch your tone. But Lord, help me. <laughs> Please help me, because I don't get this. That's a fair question. If you say it right, it's a fair question. Don't accuse God. 
and don't demand anything of him. I love this. I love this idea. Reminds me over in Daniel, oh boy, Daniel 3, the Hebrew boys, remember? Remember the three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery furnace? And the king gave them one more chance, King Nebuchadnezzar, to bow down and to worship the image. And I love the answer, the collective answer. We don't know if it was Shadrach, Meshach, or a bad Negro that gave the actual answer. But one of them, one of the old joke, one of them said, one of them said, or they said collectively, oh, king, you need to know, I'm paraphrasing, it's the WHR translation, whether the Lord delivers us out of the fiery furnace or not. We are not going to bow. See, the attitude was, the attitude there was, we don't, we can't make you deliver us from martyrdom, from execution. We can't make you deliver us from being incinerated into ash. We can't make you take the heat out of the flames. But we are letting the king know whatever you decide to do and what we're going to do are two different things. I can't control what God does. I can't make him take away my sickness, my issues, my heartache, my pain, my attempt, my, my punishment, or not my punishment, but my predicament. I can't make God take away this fiery furnace. But here's what I can do. I can stay faithful. I can stay committed. I can stay, con con I can stay connected to him. I can stay obedient. Even if God doesn't do what I would like him to do, which is deliver me from this fiery furnace, one thing I can do, and that is I cannot bow my knee to bow. I can say no to sin. I can say no to unrighteousness. I can say no to the enemy. I can say no to the devil. I can say no to doubt. I can say no to despair to depression, to demonic possession, I can say no. Amen. Mm. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop. Here's the Monday morning moment because I could just go on and on and on and I'm just going to stop. I gave you two Monday morning moments. One I put in your notes. God is able to do all things but fail. But as I was studying throughout the week, I came up with another Monday morning moment, Monday morning moment for you to remember. And that is that in addition to God can do anything but fail, my other Monday morning moment is taken from Psalms 51. Change my heart, O Lord. Change my heart. Cleanse me. And if you look at Psalm 51, it has that language in there that's so indicative of what we've been talking about. Wash me. Look at some of these verbs, and then I'm going to sit down. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me, David writes in Psalms 51, from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me, Lord. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. I tell you, when you start repenting, when you start confessing, when you start telling, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I messed up. Lord, I did this. This is on me. I have no excuse. I'm not pointing my finger to the left or to the right. It ain't nobody's fault but mine. 
Lord, I messed this up. I brought this on me. When you take ownership and say, Lord, help me, have mercy on me. I blew it. I did it again, Lord. Purge me with hyssop and wash me and I'll be clean. Wash me and that I'll be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart. When you come before God with absolute repentance, with absolute contrition, God said in his word, he said, a broken heart contrite heart will I in no wise. Here's what he says in, in Psalms 51, uh, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart will I in no wise despise. God won't turn his back on you. God won't walk away. You come to him, he will clean you. He will purge you, Sister Annie. He will turn your life around. He will give you a new start. He will forgive you. And he will, in some cases, maybe not all, just depends on what God has in mind, he will in some cases heal you as well. If healing is what God wants to do, he will do it. Don't try to put him in a box and don't think that it's re re relegated or, or as a result of your faith. Your faith can't change God's mind. The purpose of faith is to get our mind in connection with God's mind. The purpose of faith is so that we can have this mind in us, Paul said, as Christ Jesus had. That's the purpose of faith, to get us in agreement with God, not to get God to agree with us. God is a superior. He's supernatural. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. I want to be on the same page as God. I don't want God on my page because I don't know nothing. <laughs> I ain't got no power. I ain't got no strength. I can't see what's happening the next day, much less the next week. So I don't want God on my page. I want to be on his page because he can see all things. He can do all things. He knows all things. Amen. 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 Let's do communion. Come on up, elders. We're going to take the Lord's table. God bless you. Sister Mary's going to sing a